0: to go live.
1: Our life.
0: Okay. We, Hello, everybody. Ready to get started? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just making sure you are.
2: Oh like no no no! Prison, I just, being held hostage for a second.
0: I didn't blink, so that gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> but hello, everybody! Thank you so much for joining us. This is our fourth episode of Wind Down Wednesday. I'm Lee Edwards, and we are joined by two amazing people and a special guest as well.
3: Aisha Jefferson. Hello, welcome back to Wednesday on uh, Wind Down Wednesday um, with NABJ Chicago.
2: And I'm Will Jones the final member of this crew.
0: <laughs> and we are joined tonight by the amazing Siri Berry. Um, I'm so glad to have you with us. So to begin, we're gonna do a little house cleaning things. So we're gonna just jump right into the conversation. Is that cool?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks and, and thanks for having me.
0: Also just make sure we're being correct. Um, do you mind sharing your pronouns with us as well? Uh, he, him. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. So to begin with, um, we have a lot of new members, so thank you so much for everyone, or to everyone who joined NABJ Chicago chapter recently. We're so glad to have you. Um, elections are coming up, and Aisha, can you tell us a little bit about that and what it means to be a member of NABJ Chicago and about the upcoming elections?
3: Sure, so um, basically um, the elections, we just closed registration, so for full members. So um, those of you who, um, who did register, the polls will start. Op- they will open, I suppose. <laughs> and you'll be able. To- <laughs> See, I still got the presidential elections on my brain. Uh, basically, you will be able to um, vote May first through May twentieth, eleven fifty nine p.m. on May twentieth. So you know, remember that night at midnight, eleven fifty nine p.m. on May twentieth. You will. Um, that's when the election. Um, will end and i think a day or two later we'll have the results and we will share them with you you can go to navj.org um, backslash election to see all of the candidates all positions all board positions are up and um, you can you know look and review and vote for the candidates who you feel um are worthy of this glorious organization um, you know we you know we're in chicago we are the third largest city we are the second city and um, it's important that our organization represents all of the wonderful journalists um, at every level that we have. And so, um, you know, we're really working hard to do that. And we encourage, you know, you, if you're a member, to continue your membership. And if you know other journalists who maybe fell off a little bit or who, who are a little curious, you know, encourage them to join and um, join our organization, just take part in a lot of the wonderful content and things that we um, have going on. Now, Lee, um, what are you looking forward to? Um, during your next term as VP
2: of digital. Thanks. If you're uh, elected. If elected. <laughs>
0: right. well, I believe right. I'm running unopposed, but um, my hope Right is in, candidate. I'm sorry? <laughs>
2: we'll oh, right in?
0: Well, I welcome them. I welcome all those people. In fact, tomorrow we're gonna have our candidates forum right. on Zoom from seven to eight. So we had to plug that. So if you wanna learn about the candidates, and everyone who's gonna be participating in our election, um, tomorrow night at 7 p.m., we're going to have a whole conversation about what to expect from the candidates who are running for office. Um, I'll save my 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 big spiel for that, but I'm happy to be running for NABJ's um, vice president of digital. I think it's a great opportunity to uplift and to highlight you know journalists of all backgrounds, both um, beginners to our veterans and our hall of famers. So I'm excited for that. But really, I want to kick it to you now, Will. Can you tell us about the scholarships that NABJ has available?
2: So we have more than $10,000 worth of scholarships that we're trying to give out. Uh, we started opening up more than 10000 mm. More than 10000 This is like the largest number that we've ever given out. And the applications are due Friday. They are due Friday, 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 Friday. Don't miss out on this free money. I, I know as someone who graduated with some student loan debt, scholarships really, 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 really help. And it could save you a lot of money in the long run. So get those applications in. If you have any questions about what you need to apply, you can hit me up via email, will at nabjchicago.org. But again, we're giving out $10,000. I can't say that enough. So. We've had some people apply already. It is not too late so make sure you get those emails with the applications attached to me by Friday. And I'll be one of the people looking over and figuring out who gets what.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. And we're so happy that you know there's so many opportunities available to journalists um, of all ages, but this one's for our college students. So please apply. And now, without further ado, um, I'd like to just welcome Mr. Barry to joining us for this segment of Wind Down Wednesday. And I know you have done a, a lot in your career. So can you tell us, Zuri, about some of the things that you've done and how you have so matriculated through media?
1: Yeah. And let me just reiterate my thanks again to all of you for the invite to be on the, on this, you know, panel, this episode. And it's uh, such a great thing to see a vibrant chapter like the Chicago chapter doing its thing. So thank you so much for the invite. Um, You're a former
2: chapter president, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, in yeah. Sacramento, vice president in the Boston chapter, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've made my way around a little bit. So I certainly know the 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 tough work that goes into that on a day to day basis. So for those of you that are considering running to be in leadership positions, you know, it's, it's a volunteer job, if you will. You got to think of it in those terms, but there's so much joy that you get out of it in terms of helping people, connecting with people, especially as people come into the market. So that's always fun. It was such a nice thing to be able to help onboard colleagues. So I thought that was always great. And, um, you know, I, I've missed it a little bit. And I've been away just for a little bit, because I went back and got my uh, MBA. But <laughs> yeah, it's it was a good time, uh, especially with the Boston chapter, I was with them for a very long time. But to answer your question, Lee, uh, yeah, I started in this business, uh, wanting to be a sports reporter. I was a Sports writer for a little newspaper called The Union in Grass Valley, California. It's in the um, uh, Gold Rush town, uh, uh, you know, what they call Niner country, you know, the, the 49ers, obviously people leaving to California for the Gold Rush. Anyways, it looks just sort of like that, if you will, still from that time. It's uh, rural-ish. Um, it's got a little flavor to it, but it's a too high school kind of town. And I uh, was a sports writer and columnist there. And I transitioned to the news side there after about a year or so covering their first weed dispensary and things like that. Um, And then I, I made the jump from there to the Boston Globe. And part of the reason why I was able to make that jump And this is such a a good place to talk about this, by the way, is because of my connections at NABJ. I got in touch with a guy by the name of Greg Lee, who was a a former president of the uh, association, and um, he and I connected to the Sports Journalism Institute. And I continue to sort of work with him. Um, I ended up developing uh, or working on the website for SJI. I'm an SJI alum. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we were working on these things and he was seeing what I was doing while I was in grass Valley in this little, you know, town with, uh, at a newspaper of 15,000 circulation, you know, I was shooting video, I was doing live events. I was having community sit downs with people. You know, I took on the role as online community manager. I launched their social media profile. So when Twitter came around, I launched that for them. I did their Facebook. I did all that stuff for them. And so he was seeing all of this and he was like, well, we just, Had this opening, you know, at the time ESPN was launching all of its um, regional sites. And so they launched ESPN Boston and they were poaching people from the globe. And they were like, we need somebody who can come in and do a little bit of everything like what you're doing down in Grass Valley. And so, you know, I, I went up and interviewed and beat out eight other candidates for the for the role. And that was a big deal for me. And obviously it took me from being somebody who was thinking about leaving the business because I wasn't making enough money in Grass Valley, <laughs> I can tell you I, my is. last my last Ooh. wage I was making like seventeen dollars an hour. It was not working for me, um, and and then being able to actually support myself in this industry. So I thought that was that was a huge thing for me. And I stayed at the Globe for almost five years. I was at. Uh, a you know sports writer doing high school sports, I was doing the Celtics, I was doing um, Red Sox, everything. but then I ended up gravitating and sticking to Patriots coverage. So I was able to cover uh, a, a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I did t- a couple of Stanley Cup Finals, a, uh, a World Series, you know, all these different major events. actually when I first got there, I think it was the second, um, championship run for the Celtics, in which they ended up losing to the Los Angeles Lakers. I covered that NBA finals. So I, I was able to do all these major sporting events. Um, and that was such a great experience. Um, but uh, as uh, the industry started to change, um, you saw that the New York Times company wanted to offload all of these regional papers and other things that they had going on. And so they offloaded the globe and you know, they were able to be sold to a local owner, which I think everybody sort of is, you know, happy about when they see like the billionaire that comes in and and uh, buys the newspaper, so to speak. And that was John Henry, who so happened to own the Boston Red Sox. Um, but there was a, a, I would say an issue that sort of came along with that. Um, they wanted to, they didn't really know what to do. With, for instance, all of these digital people, like um, they had, we had this like robust digital operation, you know, 30 uh, something people in the Boston.com newsroom. Okay, that was the second largest newsroom in New England behind the Boston Globe itself. And so all of these people, you know, had different roles and whatnot, we had five or six people dedicated to sports, you know, we had a whole entertainment desk, you know, and we would do live chats, we do video, we did all these different things that sort of supplemented what was daily news and, and regular um, investigative reporting and other types of coverage that came out of the newspaper. Um, and so the new management that sort of took over, didn't really understand the full complexity of the news organization. And I think they made some stumbles in terms of how to deal with the staff and how to deal with talent. And what we saw at that time was a huge exodus. And, uh, so I had all these friends that were like leaving to, you know, WBUR and to, you know, GBH and to all these other different places. And, uh, you know, it got to a point for me where it was sort of very frustrating because then they started asking us to sort of change our work, which is not something that's unheard of, but it was difficult at the time to sort of grasp, if you will, because it, they were basically saying, don't compete with the guys at the paper when I was doing Patriots coverage, which, you know, I thought we all complimented each other. So I, I made the decision to leave. And, and at the time, I wanted to move up um, and to do more, you know, I didn't just want to be a uh, uh, sort of writer and video producer and, and things like that, which is what I did. I wanted to actually edit at that point in time and edit in a more profound way, and uh, and so that option wasn't available to me at the Globe. So I started looking elsewhere, and immediately I got entertained from uh, Fox 25, uh, the local TV station there, and uh, I thought TV was going to be awesome. And then I got into TV, and I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest with you. It's a beast. It's an animal. And I didn't really like it. I'm
2: just letting them speak. And then I'm going to pipe in. Uh, uh, just to see where go. You know, it's hard. <laughs> but I was it,
3: thinking,
1: you know, when you're when you're on the digital team for a TV outlet, like I have a mad respect for all the people that are in it. They bring in a lot of young people. They turn through a lot of young people. And, um, you know, I, I give a lot of. Uh, love to all the veterans uh, uh, that stick through it um, because there are certainly those that are out there, but it's hard um, because you're dealing with the influx of everything. And I got to tell you, Boston, you have these weather events and I know in Chicago, you have your weather events too, but these extreme weather events um, was nothing like I'd ever experienced in terms of news coverage at the globe, but you know, you're in a TV station, all of a sudden it's 24 seven, and, uh, and I'll tell you where my frustration boiled over is in February of 2015, I was, um, you know, we were, we were in like snowmageddon, what they called it, um, a hundred inches of snow within one month. And, uh, so every weekend there was a new snowstorm. I was staying at a hotel across the street, across the street from the station. And, uh, and I, and I was thinking to myself while I was going into work, I was like, we're updating these stories and you know what? They're asking me to basically say the same thing over and over again in terms of an update or bringing something new about that there's snow falling like, like I was it was blowing my mind like like what that meant and what exactly I was doing with that and how I could make that somehow be creative and fresh and push that out to uh, uh, you know our listeners and readers. and so I had real trouble with that and I ended up leaving there and getting pulled on to the Boston Herald, which I love. I was at the Boston Herald, which, you know, I'd never done a tabloid before. Um, and I took over their video and social media operations. So I, you know, I worked on uh, video for them. I did some day-to-day editing. I did uh, all the social media there and I had a great time uh, with them. And that sort of transitioned to, oh, while you're doing all of that, can you also do this radio show for us? And can you, uh, because they had an internet radio station. And that time was, I think, 2016. The election was sort of coming up and all of these candidates were coming through the New Hampshire market. And the radio station was a great sort of clearinghouse for all of those people. So I think we got like 22 of the 24 candidates on air. The only two that we didn't get, uh, you'd be surprised by this, were um, Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush, and we used to joke that the reason why Jeb Bush didn't win was because he never came on our show. Um, so we had, we, like, we had this like really robust operation in which we were sort of doing the show and we were doing, you know, all of these different things. And then, of course, the Herald, um, as for those that know, uh, went bankrupt, uh, which is always fun. <laughs> right. And that sort of led me down to this path where I'm at now. Which is they they went bankrupt, and I said, well, I gotta find some place that's stable because I need stable income. Um, and so I looked at what's next. Now, I had been approached by um, some folks in public media before, but this was the first time that I had actually like, you know, not only gone through the paces but like really considered like whether or not I was gonna stay in Boston and these different things. And and so I got the opportunity to go to Charlotte at WFAE where I was their managing editor. And I was the uh you know handling newsroom stuff but mainly the digital side of things. And that's where we, you know, were able to do things like launch the She Says podcast and and do a bunch of other stuff there. And it was a good run. I like Charlotte North Carolina is great. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I found myself, you know, wanting to uh, get out of that station for different reasons. You know, I, I felt like it was some difficulties there. And part of it, I think, was, you know, me coming from a hard news and, and, and you know, day-to-day daily news uh, world, and I got to tell you, the, the irony of me saying this is that, you know, I, I didn't like it so much with TV, but I loved it in newspapers. But when I went to public media, they thought it was like sort of bizarre, the sort of attention that I paid to the things that happen on a day-to-day basis and the things that I wanted to see out of our newscast and out of our news operation. And so I felt like there was some conflict there in that. And so I started looking elsewhere. And that's when I again, was approached by another station, uh, to come to DC at WAMU and WMU, uh, was great and all that good stuff, but that didn't end well for me either. And just to be frank with you all, I was fired. Um, and that was something that's like, you know, like, how do you deal with that? How do you come back from that? All of those things. And, you know, I I don't have to sort of tell you anecdotally, but like, Uh, studies show, you know, that people who have job loss or anything like that, that is the primary driver for entrepreneurship. That is where, what brings me to this point today. Um, that doesn't mean I couldn't go back and find another job somewhere in public media or wherever else, but it also made me think like, I don't think that's really working for me, this corporate drive. Some of these places I've been. We haven't really meshed well in terms of uh, values, in terms of sort of priorities, and then the politicking of it as well. So I I thought about all of that and I thought about what I wanted to do next. And I've taken the last sort of six months, seven months, eight months, really sort of building myself towards this next thing.
3: So I have a question. So I know you you said that, you know, getting fired, getting let go, that's how that type of job loss is what prompted you to really give entrepreneurship a chance, but had you given it any thought or considered it before that? Like, you know, when yeah. you were doing these great things at other outlets?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so let me step back to uh, 20, 2015, 20, 2016, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry, no, 2017. And that's when the Herald declared bankruptcy. Okay. That's when that really started clicking for me. It's like, okay, this isn't gonna last long. What am I gonna do about it? This industry is insta- uh, unstable, unstable, excuse me. Um, so how, how am I going to look at my long-term prospects? And of course, the, the, it's either up or out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and sort of how you think about that. And at first I was on this track for up, and, but I really started thinking about, well, what's the, what's the landing spot, so to speak? And so when I went to North Carolina, I uh, um, you know, applied for an MBA program while I was there. Uh, Because I wanted to, uh, you know, sort of add to my skill set, so to speak. I didn't want to do that.
3: So how does the MBA add to the skill set?
1: Yeah, so so, so very frankly, I was thinking about, okay, one of these days I might be a chief content officer or a general manager or something of that nature. Like that was certainly in the cards or at least something I was thinking about. And I wanted to make sure that when I got into that room where we start talking about budgets and we start talking about forecasting for the future and things of that nature, that I knew what I was talking about, that I was firm in my facts, that I, you know, felt like I wasn't an imposter, which is, you know, something that so many of us feel when we're not ready or prepared or something of that nature. Uh, But it transitioned, I think, over my time um, at Queen's. Uh, university, while I was going through the program, I started to think more and more like, okay, wait a second. There is some, you know, creativity that I see out of both my classmates and others that speaks to um, this desire that I didn't know I had before to want to do something on my own. Um, Some ownership that I wanted to take over my own life and my own sort of career in a way that I hadn't really considered before. And
3: oh, I'm really? sorry. How that to was... interrupt. No, no. How, because how do you prepare for that mentally? Because a lot of people, you know, feel like you know they.
1: You, can we, you can't up... prepare for getting
3: fired. But resume ready. That, that LinkedIn updated. You know, have your have but... your website up to date. That's all. Right, but, but you... You... Remember, How do you? I mean, that, I mean, I meant mentally prepare. Because I mean, when you know that, you, know, that you yeah. Have to do. How do you? What do you say to yourself? Because a lot of people, they want to do different things. They may get inspired to try stuff, but they, um, you know, it may not work out. So how do you? But how do you? What do you say to yourself to keep? Yourself before you
2: answer that, we have to say what you do though. We haven't gotten to that, so it's like we're alluding to it.
3: Okay. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I'm I was sorry. You were, up. you were breaking up just a little is my 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 wifi guys
2: is, my wi-fi is horrible can you all see me am i freezing
1: yes i see you Will. I okay you. okay okay I, I hear you again i hear okay
3: you. i may be jumping ahead i you know, i'm just there i love this topic and so yeah, it's a worried, great topic if i thank get you. a little ahead
2: Let, let's talk about your company and then how you got there
3: thank you will
1: sure 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 so um, so now I'm, I, I do uh, podcast development and audio production, right? Um, and so I, I, took a long time to sort of figure out what the thing was that was going to be my business. Like I said, I've been thinking about it for six, seven months, whatever it's been, and you know the first initial thought was that okay well you know you've been a, a writer that's something that you've won awards for you've you've done editing you know maybe you could you know work on newsroom strategy and do that kind of consulting work and whatnot and I kept thinking about um, the sort of the competition that's in that space the much more experienced journalists that are in that space that are doing that work you know former editors and chiefs and news directors etc cetera, etc cetera. and and I, so I started to really sort of trying to uh, come to a plan, if you will, of how I would package myself and put myself out there in a way that differentiates myself from others. And uh, part of that has been my experience, obviously, not only as a storyteller in so many different mediums, but also in my uh, last bit of experience in uh, uh, part uh, NPR member station newsrooms. So having that experience and having put together some great projects in the places that I've been and sort of knowing sort of the, the technical ins and outs, that's something I knew that I could pitch myself as to. And the more and more I looked at uh, podcasting in particular, and it's something that again, I'm sort of a fan of and, and sort of actually have experienced going back all the way to my days in college You know, that's like 15, 16 years ago at this point. Um, The more I thought about it, the more I thought there's a lot of need for help in this space. And that's some help that I can bring, given my uh, most recent experience, given my history, given all the things that I know as a journalist. So you think about all the the tools that you have in your skill set, and you try to put that towards some good use in a way that's, I think, both helpful for others and that is packageable. Um, so that's that's where I'm at now. So now I do, uh, the, the company is called Zuri Media and Consulting, but it's primarily focused on podcast development and audio production, and I call it ZMC Podcast.
2: And how is that going so far? How hard is it to, to build up yeah. a, a clientele?
1: Yeah, the conversion, uh, <laughs> it's hard. Let me tell you that. I, You know, when people talk about the number of touch points you need with a potential client before you convert them, um, you know, it's no joke. I mean, I, I, I don't do a, a business that I think is, um, you know, you just go to the website and you sign up. You know, there are several conversations that I have with these folks before we end up getting to that place where we sign a contract and we move forward. So, you know, I've had my first couple of clients, um, some nonprofits. Um, I've talked to uh, some different folks in the venture capital space and some other players that have been able to sustain me, but it's, you know, it's certainly slow going, I think. And I think you know, that's typical of what you hear of entrepreneurs in their first couple of years. And so I'm not deterred by any of that. Uh, it's actually makes me excited that I'm able to hear from people so soon and so quickly. And once we sort of start putting out some of these projects that we've been working on, then I think things will pick up really, really nicely.
0: Can you then tell us a little bit about some of the new media tools you're using? Like, okay, have you felt the, the urge to get on TikTok? I've seen your um, nope. Instagram or your website. <laughs> you're not a TikToker? <laughs>
1: No. Listen, I, you know, I'm also from one of those uh, places and um, where I was the sort of lead person digitally and on social media. And I was asked or tasked with sort of implementing that new social media tool whenever it came out. And so there's this evaluation that needs to take place to see if it's helpful for your uh, organization or brand right that you have to go through and make sure that is this going to be worth my time does this burnish my image in any kind of way that's helpful and i think for um folks that work in the audio only space like myself like it's not necessarily there yet and also uh, what does it take away from what what time does that take away from um so i i tried to launch for instance a snapchat page for uh, the Herald, and that was a a disaster, <laughs> and and not because of, of maybe what you might think, but it was because like there was just no um, energy behind it from anybody on staff, and you 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 you, you know you can't force people into something that uh, is like that or anything like that. But also, I think many news organizations outside of TV have seen that it hasn't really worked for them. Like there's really a difficulty in trying to tell stories there in a way that's worked, that works for them. If you're not working in a video capacity in any kind of way on a regular basis, it just doesn't make sense. And so, you know, I do that for myself. I, I look at that and I think to myself, well, where, where, do I, where should I put my attention? And uh, I think about sort of specifically how to market my, my, my services. And so there are only a couple of places that are really worthwhile when it comes to that. And that uh, this, you know, is all changing because of, you know, iOS 14.5 and whatever else, but like Facebook, Instagram, those are places where, you know, my potential customers reside, my potential clients reside. And so that's where I have to put my attention. Um, Twitter to a lesser extent, it's more like a, a sort of thought leadership space, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, And, Again, you, you think about this for every single platform. How are you positioning yourself? LinkedIn too. I actually've got more referrals from LinkedIn than anywhere else. So how
0: did you, what, what are some things that you wish you knew before you got into the business, before you started making podcasts? And a viewer question is what makes for a good podcast?
1: Uh, okay, let me let me start with yours uh lee and then we'll get to the viewer question thank you for that um so let's go back you know i'm gonna start with the viewer question because i <laughs> uh what makes a great podcast uh, first it's got to be great audio quality i think that's uh immensely important and i think it's undervalued by a lot of people who just jump into podcasting Uh, they don't think about the microphone situation they don't think about their recording situation where they are most of us have been in a home studio for the past year if you will and so there is a real emphasis on getting dynamic microphones rather than condenser microphones so that way some of that low frequency humming hissing noises are blocked out and you're just getting that nice crisp Uh, rich sound that you might get from your voice. Um, So I think that that's one of the big pieces of it. The other piece uh, I think is true of all podcasts is uh, storytelling and bringing your authentic self. Uh, I think that is uh, incredibly important. If you are not entertaining in any kind of way, it's really difficult to Get into and support, and keep coming back to your podcast. I try a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot. I try to, you know, listen to uh, uh, folks who, you know, want me to look at their podcast and see what I can do to help them, and and things of that nature. And so there's a there's a a clear demarcation between those who sort of bring it on every episode and those who don't. And I think there is a you know sort of a, a need to sort of up the entertainment value sometimes for folks, even if we're just talking about energy, if you're talking about it in a new sort of format. Um, and then the other piece of that is that, and, and this is sort of what we were talking about in the, you know, as we were getting ready to get on to this, uh, sh- uh, to do the show, is getting to the point. Like, don't take 20 minutes to get to the, to the meat of the conversation. You know, sometimes we, you know, do these long introductions and, you know, let me introduce you to this person and this person and that person. And, and it's just like, well, if you're a regular guest of the show and you're a regular co-host of the show, I already know your name on the credits. Why don't we just start talking? Why don't we just get to it? Unless there's something special or somebody new to the group or something of that nature. So there's a lot of folks that I'm skipping the first minute, minute and a half, two minutes of, just so I know you know, I'll give you an example the Pod Save America people. Like you don't, you don't need to listen to the first one minute, 45, just start at two minutes, just start there. And you'll get to the conversation, whatever it is, because they're going to do their sponsor thing. They're going to crack some terrible joke. They're going to, you know, and then, and then at two minutes, that's when they actually start their like actual conversation. So I'm one of those people that's like, like, get to the point. Now I'm not saying lose out on that beginning or that sort of you know, uh, build up of your, of your, you know, conversation, your topic or whatever. What I'm saying is make sure that you're bringing people right away into it. And if your podcast is so much longer and this, you know, again, a lot of folks are doing an hour, hour and a half, two hour podcast. If your podcast is longer, make sure that you're teasing out what you're going to get to. You know, there was a person I was talking to, um, last week, a potential client about their work and you know they're doing two hour shows and it's just like there's no pastor? At the top you're not telling me what's coming up and that's that's rough that's hard i i gotta sit through an hour and a half to know whether or not you're going to talk about my favorite sports team or you know like that's tough so um all of those things and i'm lee i'm sorry i'm forgetting what was the question that you asked at the top of this
0: oh no i was asking before um, <laughs> oh, you're, you're from muted. the group is what we'll makes for a good podcast? Would you answer that? Um, but what I did you hear say you, that, Lee. Will? Oh,
2: can you hear oh, me? Okay. I can hear you, Lee. I can hear you, Lee. Are you good? Aisha? You can't. I'm
3: good. I can okay.
2: hear you. Okay. Zuri, can you hear us? Oh Let's Oh. See. All right. Let's see. We're having some technical difficulties. That doesn't make for a, a good podcast. But now, you know, as he was as he was giving us like these tips, I was thinking about. How we can improve, you know, our start of the show. You know, ne- next time what we can do. We're getting some tips. You know, we've only been doing this for like a few months now, right? Yes,
3: yes. Uh, end of January.
2: So we we we're we're taking notes too. Okay, can I can hear us? you. Yeah, you can hear us. So Lee, what was that question again? I forgot now.
0: Oh no worries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey Zary. <sorry. laughs> so I guess welcome you-
1: back. <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs>
2: yeah, no problem
0: oh no no worries um the question was what makes for a good podcast but i believe you answer that so mm-hmm. i guess another viewer question was how should someone go about looking for podcast gigs um should they look to be like video or audio editors what sort of things help people get those podcast jobs
1: yeah so this this industry is 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 really project oriented right so if you can demonstrate that you've got projects that you've done in the past that you can showcase in any kind of way people will certainly gravitate toward uh that work and and you'll be able to you know sort of leverage that for opportunities uh upwork fiverr all those places will sort of let you sort of freelance as an audio inter- audio editor and you can continue to sort of build on that sort of work for greater projects and for clients and for things of that nature, Uh, for looking for jobs in NPR member stations or for um, some of these corporate clients or these uh, uh, networks and agencies. There are certainly a lot of audio producer gigs that are out there. And again, demonstrating that you have that skill. And so many of the folks on here are journalists or uh, journalism ages uh, 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 close to the industry in some kind of way, whether they're uh, PR professionals or whatever else, um, you have these skills of storytelling and writing and all of these things and adding that bit, if you will, of audio editing and multi-track editing uh, to the mix and, and saying that you've done this podcast or you've done that, I think puts you in a greater position to land a role than you might suspect.
3: I have another, I have a question following up with that one I've seen um, opportunities with say like Spotify or Google or another large company you know looking to you know like a competition where they're looking for like the best podcast idea do you think those are worth um, trying out for those who are interested
1: yeah if you can get it You talk about some of the most uh, major companies, right there. Uh, and you know, the, the the funny thing is, the the folks at Spotify, I believe, the executive producer there, I believe, is a black woman. Um, mm-hmm. a, a black woman runs Stitcher uh, as the executive producer there. Um, so some of these companies, you know, they have people that are in the NABJ network. Um, right. That uh, that are some people that you could potentially run into at, at the NABJ conference. I know we're doing it virtually this upcoming summer, but these are opportunities that are there. And I I would just also note that, you know, we were talking about some of the newer platforms and, you know, clubhouse being one of them as a great marketing tool. One, there's a lot of discussions about podcasting within clubhouse and actually some of these folks, these producers, these, uh heads of these uh, uh studios at these major companies they take part in those conversations and it's a good thing to join and be a part of those conversations and put your name on the radar there and they're always looking for new shows and new talent
3: i'm just
2: curious uh, I, i'm just interested sorry Aisha. are you using a specialized
1: microphone now yeah yeah i gotta a, it sounds this, good
3: i can see i can see a little bit of it That's this
1: is the yeah. uh blue yeti x so it's like one step up from the Blue Yeti regular? No. Um, this is like the uh, uh, USB mic. Uh, it, it's it's decent for this kind of situation because it can sit outside of the camera view. Yeah. But then yeah. I also have a Shure MV7 over here, which is uh, definitely what I use for voiceovers and, and uh, podcasting. And I think that's a, a much more appropriate for many people who are like myself with small kids in the house and, you know, that have that kind of situation going.
2: And, sorry, I have one more question, Aisha. I was just thinking, you know, some people, podcasting is not easy. Some yeah. people just think they can get on, and, you know, and talk. And that's not good enough. You should have a reason, right? Like a, a theme to your, your podcast, a mission. Could you speak to that?
1: Yeah, actually, that's a big part of where many of the conversations um, start and end with potential clients, where we start talking about sort of, well, where do you want to go with this? Like, it's not just a matter of, uh, you know, I have, you know, thoughts I want to get out there, but it's like, well, how are you going to sustain this? And there's actually a lot of data to back this up that, you know, I think there's something like 36% and don't quote me off that because I was just looking at these stats a couple of weeks ago, but um, there's a good percentage of podcasts that never make it past episode one. And part of that is the time invested in taking to edit and mix it and get it together. There's a difficulty there, a learning curve there, certainly. And then there's the, the burnout or fatigue that comes from trying to figure out uh, episode ideas or, you know, the fact that you may or may not have a reliable co-host or a sort of a, any kind of structure to what you're doing that allows for you to sustain it over a, a period of time. And so, you know, I've been talking to a lot of different brands. You know, what we talk about is not just that we want to sort of talk about things that are related, if you will, to your subject area, but really sort of building out those subcategories of your subject expertise so that way you know that maybe this week you're going to get into your main topic which is you know old school hip-hop or or whatever it is but this week you're going to you know talk about talk with graffiti artists like that's like something that you have to think about in terms of just your overall planning and what kind of audiences you're trying to hit and it's not too dissimilar from a radio show, in that respect, that you're always sort of producing and thinking about the next show, and thinking about what you're able to sort of provide viewers, listeners that would be entertained by that, and your target audience.
3: Isn't that journalism in general, whether you're print or digital? That's what we do. We have to you mm-hmm. know you're only as good at your last story, so yeah. you're always having to think ahead and plan. And you know, in a sense, you know, we're our own bookers in terms of like getting get, I'm mean, getting sources and. Doing all of that stuff, so it seems like it's just an extension of what we
1: already Absolutely. do, journalists. Absolutely, Aisha, and I, and I would just say that the 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 added part that makes it a job for me is that it's like project management too, right? It's taking it from that idea to life to fruition, and then ensuring that it maintains itself um, throughout the course of its existence, whether it's a, you know, a seasonal thing, eight episodes or whatever, or if you're trying to do it every single week. You know 52 weeks a year let's let's talk about it so yeah
3: you know if someone wanted to I know you mentioned um when I brought up Spotify and the larger organizations but mm-hmm. if someone wanted to pitch a podcast idea to someone um and how what would be like the best way to do that pitch in terms of like what type of research should they do what you know what should they consider if they want to pitch an idea a podcast yeah. idea
1: so one, they should probably first demonstrate that they have some kind of audience. They should know who who those folks are in some kind of way. And there's all kinds of places to get metrics for that, whether it's Apple's dashboard or Spotify's on dashboard, which will tell you things like, the gender and age distribution and all that stuff and geographical distribution of where people live so you gather that data and i would say actually put together a media kit this is not dissimilar from youtubers who do this as well you put together those media kits and you're able to take that to a brand or to a network um, or whoever it may be and you say look i've got this show I've done this thing, or I've already got some demonstration of work here. Let me tell you what I can do for you guys. And sometimes it's a concept. Sometimes it starts much earlier on, and that's something that you want to make sure that you have a relationship with. So again, the clubhouse thing I, I mentioned, it's good to sort of get to know those folks and, and meet those people in these different spaces. So that way, if you want to pitch the concept and say, hey, this is you know sort of I know I can do this. I've got this in my history or my background or whatever, you know, would you guys be interested in developing something like this? You know, that's certainly a way for it as well. I would say it's less likely, but it's still a a good way to sort of push yourself forward and put yourself out there.
3: Now would you do it like, so Would the person would they do it? Like if it was their own company, sort of like how you set up your own company or would they look to be an employee, like what if they wanted to be an entrepreneur like you are and you know, have their own production company or whatever whatever have you would they approach you like they're looking for a partnership or how would you recommend um them pitching their idea
1: yeah so i you know actually there's a real uh uh, conversation that's going on right now about sort of intellectual property and and making sure that you're owning the ip for your podcast and 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 whatnot uh, there certainly was some very big issues that popped up, for instance, with Spotify and some of the creators that were on uh, at Gimlet Media, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I do think that it's important that if you go into any conversation with a network or agency and you're pitching your podcast, that you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your intellectual property. And if, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be formed as an LLC or anything like that, but you should consult with a lawyer. You should consult with somebody who knows contracts so that way you're not going forward and giving up the whole barn just so you can get out there. Um, because you know some of these shows and some of these more highly produced shows are certainly being made into movies. They're being made into other kinds of scripts Uh, uh, TV shows, uh, you know, I think of Dirty John with the LA Times. And Mm -hmm. I think of some other sort of major sort of productions that are underway. And you don't want to lose out on being able to make money off that. And and so that's something that you have to consider at the at the start rather than, you know, at the end. And I think those uh, journalists and those folks that realize that they, you know, didn't negotiate Or didn't have a lawyer review it at the beginning time. They really regret that at this at this point in time. That's something that I think you'll, if you Google around and look for it, you'll see that there's a lot of anger about what's occurred here.
0: So I guess the so transition to another aspect of podcasts is what's some of your favorite podcasts? What's some things that you listen to? And we can go around to like Aisha and Will because I know um ebony k williams um holding court is one that's one of my favorites i listen to <laughs> hers every week or joy taylor's um podcast or Jamil hill is mm. unbothered those are one that's that sort of yeah. stand out to me
1: yeah i like Jamil hill's uh podcast a lot of good people um so i am uh i am a big newsy podcast so i listen to a lot of the like the daily axios today the journal uh the bbc's global news podcast post reports so i got all of those but then I also listen to like Still Processing. I love um, Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham. Um, yeah. Wesley and I worked together when we were at the Globe and I, I think the world of him. And I think he's introduced me to Jenna through this podcast and I think the world of her. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I absolutely love that. I've been enjoying A Word with Jason Johnson at uh, a Slate. He just started this about a, a month or so ago. He's an MSNBC contributor and a professor at Morgan State University. So I think um, that podcast has been pretty good. Um, I'm a big fan of Masters of Scale with Reid Hoffman, the uh, uh, co-founder of LinkedIn, uh, founder of LinkedIn. Um, it's about entrepreneurship and business. It's, it's great storytelling. It's great sound design. You know, somebody asked about what makes a great podcast. Sound design will, will help. that will help a lot. Um, I've been listening to Bloomberg's The Paycheck, which has been diving deep this season about um, the reason why there is this disparity in wealth for black Americans versus everybody else, you know, I, there's, there's just been so many good episodes out of that. So I've been enjoying that a lot. Uh, I could go on. I'm listening right now to the improvement association, which is the new New York times one about the, uh, the voter fraud that actually occurred in 2018 in North Carolina when I was there. And it happened to be uh, Republicans that were committing that voter fraud. And it's, it's sort of unwinding right now. I'm only on episode two. There's five chapters already out, though. But yeah, that I just threw a lot at you. But that that's, that's my a little bit of my listening. I've also got some some weird ones in here. I'm I'm a hold back.
0: <laughs> oh, um, Will, do you have any or Aisha, Would you do you have any that you will recommend as well?
3: I am still processing uh, the read. I, I, as I mentioned, when, before we hopped on that I played that while cleaning up around the house and everything. Uh, read this, read that, which is Joy Reed and, oh gosh. Um, oh, J- Jackie Reed um, and just a couple of others. Oh, I, um, Demetria Lucas, um, gosh, what's Demetria's? Uh, ratchet and Respectable. <laughs> so I do, I like, and she told a good story, yeah. I, you know, I that, um, this is a Chicago history one. There's one that's in my queue with a local journalist um, who's retired. Um, oh I just forgot her name, but um, about journalism. One of my professors at Northwestern, she just launched a podcast, which um, is in my queue also about Black women, um, I think newsroom, Black female newsroom leaders. Um, so that's in my queue, it's a bunch of them.
1: Oh, that, you gotta uh, share that with me. I wanna hear
3: that one. Yeah, I wanna hear that, <laughs> Dr. Ava um greenwell so thompson greenwell so i i need to um that's my cue too so there's a bunch and like i said i listen to them while i'm cleaning up in the house or while i'm driving
2: so i'm a little embarrassed to say i don't listen to any podcasts. i need to my wife talks about podcasts all the time and i i've been planning to get into it and this has inspired me to take a listen i just have such a short attention span that i don't even really watch tv besides some sports so or movies Um, so
1: i'm there with you actually i don't watch much tv i just i just watch a little bit of news and Mm -hmm. and so the podcast is actually something i'm doing while i'm doing something else
2: right i I listen to a lot of music so i can listen to podcasts when i'm like working out or so this has inspired me i was I was kind of quiet over here. I was afraid. I know Lee was trying to go around. That's why I was <laughs> silent. Because I was like, should I just lie? I, yeah. I, or just like name some ones that you all just named? And I just play along. I decided, you know, you were talking about in a podcast, authenticity is extremely important. So I just thought I should be authentic in that moment and be true to myself. <laughs> Thank well, What you. music are
0: you listening to then? It was the music. Is it some Meg? Like the stallion? No, some
2: maybe no the other mag the Stallion of gospel, Shirley Caesar.
3: <laughs> I like Shirley, but I'm a behal- good A good choice.
2: A good choice. I didn't know. No, just all <laughs> kinds. Sure I like I like C- 90s C- R and B and hip hop. So I mostly listen to that. Okay. okay. Yeah.
3: I, I listen to that while I'm while I'm working out. So I had a great workout today. And you know, I was getting my guy in Rex in Effect and um Digital Underground, you know, listen to all of that while I was um, working out because I need to. Yes. You know, when to their master, I need to be motivated because I just want to hunch over and give up. But, you know, I had to keep it up.
2: You know? Yeah. I know we're about to wrap up soon. Just final question for me is how can we improve what we're doing here? Give us some tips. Grade us on our, our performance today.
1: Well, yeah, you, know, nice. I, uh, you know, you know, First of all, I, I always love thinking of uh, doing lives, but I think of them very differently than I think of podcasts. Right. And I do think that there is a tension there between doing live video and live streaming and doing podcasts. And part of that is because there is this element of a technical glitch. I, I had mine with the headphones. Sorry about that. And, and there's the other part of it is like, well, what can you sort of add to it? What kind of flourish can you do with it if you're not given a chance to produce it right if you're not given a chance to work with the audio so i think that's always something to think about like okay the, let's we're doing live let's do that but is it is it the same thing and i, I want you guys to, to think about it in those terms i do think that it's a great conversation and this is a great way to just chop it up with uh, some guest, whoever it may be, and and just dig deep on a subject that you guys are interested in. This is wonderful. So don't don't overthink this. This is you're you're in you're in a, you're in a good place, if you will. Um, you know the 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 preferences that I have, if you will, for that sort of more produced sort of feel is 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 my preferences alone. I think.
2: I've been afraid we were going to get canceled, but we're, we're lasting, you know, we're playing a month <laughs> right. by month, you know, the executives, oh. you know they, they want more viewers, but we're, we're trying. So I think they're giving us like a couple more months and then otherwise we might be fired.
3: <laughs> I see. And, and, and in the event that that may have, just bring a fire. So what about people who, um, Do you have any advice, Zuri, for people who are struggling with the decision to strike out on their own? So not necessarily fired, but just not like how you were unhappy? (laughs) <laughs> and that's at the moment, hey, it happens, it happens, it happens, it, it happens, <laughs> and so, uh, but no, but, but people who- uh, have-
1: Zero out of 10, I would not recommend. Uh
3: right, <laughs> like, but it, like, you know, things happen. And so, you know, but then uh, I'm looking. just,
1: let me, let me say this, life happens. And again, it, it's, it's not anecdotal to me it is- uh, it's something that happens, whether you're laid off, whether you transition to another job and you realize it's not it, you realize that you want to do something else and that you want to take more control of your career. And, uh, and so I think there's a lot of us that are sort of worried about, well, how am I going to pay my bills? And that is a real fear. And part of, you know, losing your job and having that fear as well, motivates you to go find that money wherever it is and get on it. And so the money resides. there is a, there is a, there is a certain <laughs> kick in the, in the tail that occurs that certainly happens in this situation. But if you already feel it in your gut that you got to get out of this job, cause it's driving you crazy, that it's hurting you, that it's causing harm or something of that nature, then you are better off to move to a- another job or strike out on your own. And I would yeah. argue that. For those who are thinking about it, who are weighing it, who are really sort of searching their soul, that they should probably start that on the side first, right? Start tinkering around and, and sort of seeing what they can do for themselves on the side first and develop it into something that maybe might be able to take over full time for you. Um, it's always okay, the best really thing quick, is to start um, it on the side first.
2: Yes.
0: I think really quick, Zuri, is... Um, we talked a lot about the hustle and the grind of us. Can you talk yeah. about the joy? So when you yeah. get on that podcast, you just like, yes, that light comes on. Are you excited? Is it
1: <laughs> joyous? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm super critical of myself, so I don't know if I'm that joyous. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of joy that I get out of helping others, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's fun for me to talk with creators who are thinking about ways to help the world and help others and help talk about stories um, that are untold. And, you know, I've been having this conversation with a client about regenerative agriculture. And not a lot of people understand the sort of where that sort of lands in terms of climate change and, and 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 and. the effect on livestock and on the desertification that occurs across the world. And so there's a lot of work that's done there and it just inspires me uh, sort of helping that person frame uh, their podcast and what they're doing. So there's a lot of joy in the work itself. I do appreciate it. I'm talking to um, a client who um, has Raises funds for others. That's that's literally her job. She is a business coach and a crowdfunder. She helps people raise money for their businesses, and you know she's actually somebody who was in the Chicago market some time ago, and. It's such a a fun thing to talk with her about her clients, because all of them have great stories about what they're trying to do when they raise that money, what business they're going to launch, who they're going to help, this nonprofit that they're trying to run, or this product that they're trying to put out into the world. So there's all these things that are sort of like available to me now that are, I think, richer, more fuller stories than sometimes the daily news and politics grind that I was in in the past. So I get a lot of joy out of that. Hmm.
3: That's good to know. I understand the daily grind. Yeah. you know that's you know especially in working in news and just- well, you know, I mean,
1: last last week or whatever it was when all those black people were shot, I just you know, like okay. it hits you, like you're 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 feeling that on a level. And if you are in the news business, like like so many people in this chat are, that you know starts to affect you after a while. Right. And you know, I I mean, I've been in the game for a, a, w- a little bit now. Um, But, you know, you think about that and you think about if you're putting all your energy into responding to these moments and these issues and these incidents, like that can take from you. That can take from you and your your ability to respond. I think in a humane way, it may either, you know, you change, which is what I'm trying to say. And And it's a tough change. And so to be able to think about things and work on things that don't really take from you in that way, but really give to you maybe inspire you. I think that's what, uh, it's a, a, it's fun for me.
3: And we talked about that very point when we, um, I, Will and I, we were on the panel with a couple of other, um, local journalists about mental health, um, you know, Chicago's journalists. And we talked about that point to just the impact, um, especially that, you know, covering certain stories may have for a lot of us in Chicago, you know, gun violence with people who look like ourselves, you know, we, for me, I edit these stories, I'm rewriting them and all of this stuff. And it's like, it's constant, you know, either reading the wire stories or whatever. So, you know, it does have an impact and um, I'm glad that people are more open to acknowledging that it has an impact and, you know, and being able to address it because, it yeah. does, you know, naturally.
1: Yeah. You know, I, one of the first um, shootings that I covered in, in my newsroom was uh, the death of Oscar Grant. Um, in Oakland and I was still in California and it was the first time I think for me and for quite a number of other people that it was on video in such a way that you know spread on social media in such a way and so to see to go from Oscar Grant to you know uh, 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 George Floyd to to all these people in this last week and it's just it's it seems like it's never ending and so at a certain point as a journalist, you feel like I got to get off this train. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I got to think about something else, you know, I got to tune out. I've got people in the newsroom who don't watch the news when they're not, you know, on the job. Mm-hmm. And that's, that tells you something, right? It's like, I, I, I can't even deal with my job no. outside of this, this organization. Um, and I don't want, I didn't want to be there but that's where I ended up anyways
2: yeah well our, all right well this was uh, such a such a great conversation appreciate your time yeah. president biden is about to deliver his uh speech oh, yeah. to congress so we're all gonna get to that yeah. i'm sure i have to do it back for work to work uh, but again <laughs> i appreciate your time this was an excellent discussion and we learned a lot and i'm gonna yeah. take your some of your tips and listen to some of your podcast recommendations
1: yeah 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 have fun
3: Great advice, Dory right. I mean, you really like, and you know I know it's pounding back with some of those questions, but you know, yeah. I was channeling with others, you know, wanted to know. So thank you for sharing sharing your and we advice. We went
2: long today, like you know, Sunday service. We were supposed to be only being 30 minutes.
3: I know. Zuri uh, jo- I, I told people. you I was ready
1: for an hour. I told yeah. You-
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zuri dropped all the. <laughs> all those beautiful gems. thank you so much really. well thank you for having
1: right. me i much appreciate it and uh looking forward to hearing from you guys and and hearing the the, the audio version of this don't
3: right.
1: live <laughs> all right, exactly. get it,
3: it's live.
1: <laughs> all
2: right. take care everyone take care. bye everybody. bye